Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. The first trophy of the season is up for grabs this weekend. Will it be silverware for Stevie G or a 10th straight domestic trophy for Celtic? It's December, which means it's almost January, which means it's transfer window time. So let the rumour mill commence. Hearts hope to have a manager appointed before then. Daniel Stendel is the man they want. Will he be there by next week's podcast? And does he have a job on to save them from the drop? Dundee fans know all about that. They're still finding it tough going in the championship. The legend Paddy Barkley will be talking to us about life in the shadow of Shanklin's United. But alongside me in the studio, a man who decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadow from the Telegraph, JJ Bull. Hello. Make yourself known. Yes. And <laughs> next to him, a much-travelled European football journalist, but still an Adrianian at heart. It's Kieran Canning. Hello. When was the last time you were in Airdrie? Going to Airdrie this weekend, actually. Oh, that's nice. Where are you going tonight, though? Arsenal. The Emirates. Just one of those weeks where there's too much football on. Are you going to be hiding in the shadows there? I'll be uh, dining at the buffet. That's the best. That's the best thing of going to Arsenal. Do you get that a lot then for the press? You you get some. Uh, that's the only reason nice... the press goes to the football. <laughs> What's the best press um, office buffet thing you've been to? Chelsea's the best I've had. Really? Well, yeah, I yeah. I'd have to say Watford is my favourite. Oh, uh, Watford's quite far down the scale. I would say. Really? I New Tottenham's pretty good. You know, I mean, who cares about winning trophies when you can uh, move up the uh, the media buffet ranks? But yeah, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea—they're the the top three. I have to say. admit, I've been to the Queen of the South um, fancy bit, and that's quite nice for a for a Scotch pie. I, don't, I was just about to say a Scotch pie because I'm going up to the cup final on Sunday, and uh, you get a nice Scotch pie at Hampden halftime. Definitely worth it. You're not going to throw it at Tavernier now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather have a potato pie than uh, the Chelsea food, even though it's really nice. And well, I appreciate it. That it's, it's free. It's it's ridiculous. It's great. Well, if you're off at the Emirates, you won't be joining us for our wee Christmas party that we have tonight. Some which got all the fun. Which normally concludes with JJ having a sing-along with uh, James Richardson. It's a Graham Shinney special this year. They don't have that on the karaoke machine. <laughs> <laughs> if they did, they would always put it on for the PRS, baby. Does it excite you, JJ, that you're sitting where Jamie Carragher was sitting earlier on today? <laughs> I did a podcast with him once. He seems like a nice guy. Well, let's get stuck into this podcast. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Only one place to start, and it's at Hamden on Sunday. The Betfred Cup Final, Celtic v Rangers, and Rangers are aiming for their first major silverware in over eight years. But first, joining us to give us a Celtic perspective, it's our old friend Barca Jim. Are Celtic fans confident about their team going into this? There has to be nerves because they've got more to lose than Rangers. I think when it comes to this game, right, and I'm going to call it the old firm, despite what I know I'm going to get on Twitter for calling it that, right? <laughs> I've been going to these games for a long time and no matter what it is, there is always nerves going into it. This isn't petty point scoring, but I don't see a player in the Rangers team that I would swap for anyone in our squad and as long as we turn up on the day, we should do it. But realistically, now that Morelos has sorted out his, or appears to have sorted out his disciplinary issues, they've got what I would call a puncher's chance. I'm not su- supremely confident, but if we do what we can do and we turn up and we match Rangers for for application, etc., then yeah, I, th- I think we should we should get our hands in the trophy. I mean, Celtic are coming into this in perfect form. You know, it's, it's 11 wins in the spin now in all competitions. 
Are Celtic in a better place now than where they were under Brendan Rodgers this time last year? I mean, he, he had a great reputation for man management, etc. But as has been shown in Europe, I think one thing with Lennon is that he is prepared to do the pragmatic thing to get a result. And I think the players go with it. And the fact that they've done so well in Europe, which they didn't do under Rodgers, that our league forum and cup form is at least the very equal of his, then it's very difficult to say that we're not in a better position. I suppose the one thing is that uh, Rodgers' teams had control of the games completely, but they could be kept quiet at times, whereas Lennon's are a bit more, uh, not chaotic, but they embrace that kind of randomness more and it gets results in his cup games. I'm not sure there's one that's better than the other in a, in a cup final. Yeah, I mean, you always get the feeling that if someone in the back four you know, knocked a ball long that you could feel that Rodgers would have been, you know, on his case. But you get the feeling that Lennon, I think, maybe trusts his players more. Is that maybe fair to say that he'll think, look, if you think yeah. that's the ball to play, go and play it? You said that you wouldn't swap out any, any Rangers player for, for people in the Celtic squad, but what about the fact that there doesn't really seem to be a backup to Edwards at the moment and he's not, we don't know if he's going to play, he's obviously not 100%. Um, could that be where the, the cup finals won and lost, the fact that Celtic don't seem to have a, a backup to Edward in the way that Rangers do with Defoe for Morelos? With the way Celtic play up front and the movement, I think we could get carried, much like Rangers, I think, with Morelos, I think we could get carried for two or three weeks based, I mean, the Morgan experiment or whatever, that's not one I want to see going on for too much longer because eventually that will run out of puff. I think Rangers maybe the same would, would find that with Defoe, but Again, I think at the end of the day, to give Rangers, you know, that credit, they've got someone in reserve that's better than what we've got in reserve. But I still, as a first choice, wouldn't wouldn't swap what we've got. So let's just say, take a hypothetical scenario here: Rangers win on Sunday. How much of a a blow is that for Celtic to lose that air of invincibility um, that surrounds them, and how much would that play into Rangers' hands? as they go towards a, a chance for the title? It's a very difficult one to say because I think I think the nature of the game would need to be taken into account. If it was a case where Celtic were, were dominated, they won it easing up, then you've got something. But if it's a, a back and forth game, you know, 1-0, one, one each, two each, blah, and then, you know, one goal to seal it, then I think Celtic could, could come back from that reasonably. You can rationalise that relatively easily I would have thought um, I think a dominant performance you know a dominant performance by Celtic to reverse the situation you know if, if Celtic do dominate this game you know with the two point lead and etc I think it puts more pressure on Rangers because remember lads I've been here before I've been on the other end of sitting watching the other side being on eight in a row and the nerves that that involves with the, the horror of the nine and possibly the ten coming up you know, and it's a huge pressure on Rangers as well. If Rangers are to win on Sunday, I know it's hypothetical, we don't know what's going to happen. How how big an impact could that be in Scottish football for Rangers to be back winning major silverware um, and to have that blow to Celtic's, you know, impenetrable I think it's, it's a, it'd be a bigger positive for Rangers than necessarily a negative 
for Celtic. I think, yeah. given what's happened in the midweek, and Celtic now have, uh, I mean, it's a very small advantage, but given how few points both have been dropping um, this season, I think small margins will, will decide the league. I think as great as they've played, in the, particularly in the cup competitions over the past few seasons, they're not going to continue going on winning every single competition. So at some point that run is going to come to an end. But I think for Rangers, for their belief, I know that they've won trophies in another, like for example, um, Defoe has experiences down in England. Davis and McGregor obviously won, won trophies with Rangers the first time round. But for that squad to win something together, I think it'll, it'll really kick them on and build on what they've done so far in Europe. Conversely, as you were saying to to Barca Jim there, you know, if if Rangers do lose, and not even to lose heavily, but if they would lose, for example, in the manner they did to Celtic earlier this season, where it was only two 0 but Celtic were very comfortable, um, I think that could be a really big blow to Rangers' title challenge, given that going into December, um, for the rest of December, they have the tougher fixtures both in the league and obviously they have a big uh, European game to come as well that this is a, a really big, big month for Rangers. Do, do you think there's any bigger picture here, JJ, that if you know the cup final can be won by either side, that plays into the title race? I don't know. If anything, it might annoy Celtic because they're so used to winning all the trophies. This is, this is theirs to lose. And to lose to their biggest rivals. Yeah, and that'll wind them up anyway. But you think... If they lose one, that's them realising that, that they're not invincible and that they can definitely actually lose these things. So what what about some of the players then that are going to be massive in this game? All eyes have got to be on Alfredo Morelos, who didn't start in the first game that Rangers played Celtic, which they lost 2-0. It was a bit of a surprise, and he's been excellent this season. Yeah, the bit of a surprise... He's sure to start. Oh yeah, definitely. It just shows how much things have changed over the past couple of months, because... I wasn't overly surprised when he didn't start that game based on his disciplinary record in the season previous um, and the fact that Defoe had also started the season very well um, and Rangers had played a big European game on the Thursday. This was on the Sunday, so he was rotating them around. Whereas now, Morelos is undoubtedly not just number one striker, I mean, Rangers' best player mm. by a distance. What could be quite different from the game they've played against each other this season is not just the fact that Morelos started that game on the bench. Um, Ryan Kent wasn't back at Rangers by that point. It was the, the day after. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some said at the time it was a reaction to that defeat, but it was also just that it was the last couple of days of the window. And he, last season, caused Celtic massive problems in the two games that Rangers beat Celtic at Ibrox. And another player who's a doubt for this weekend, but if he does play, um, Borna Barisic, who has been brilliant for Rangers this season and also didn't play in the the first Celtic Rangers game of the season because um, he got concussed against Legia Warsaw just a few days beforehand. Mm-hmm. So there are three huge players for Rangers that could make a, a massive difference. Particularly because like, Flanagan's the boy who comes in to replace Barisic and I think he's one crazy tackle away from a red card in almost every single game. Kent's been playing really well. I think he was decent against Aberdeen. Uh, Arabo's been good as well. Between him and Ojo, he, Ojo's fit for the weekend, isn't he? As yeah. far as I'm aware. Uh, yeah, Arabo and Ojo there. I think the one change you might see in midfield, especially from the Aberdeen game, would be that uh, Kamara would come back into the centre of the pitch because a bit more control. Yeah. Especially against, well, you know, Brown and McGregor. You want to try and win that battle there. be quite feisty. Arfield might be the one who misses out. Jack Davis and, and Kamara would come in there. I think building on what Barca Jim said as well, I think sometimes we can maybe read too much into how much this game will affect yeah. the league title. Yeah, Particularly yeah. if, as I expect it to be, it's very tight. If it, you know, if it's one goal either way or it goes to extra time and penalties, as it could easily, um, 
I don't think it's going to have that big a bearing because the the margins are so fine. Just reflecting on Wednesday night's results then, you know, Rangers losing ground on the title race, that's two points dropped really effectively. They looked so strong against Aberdeen in the first half, but second half they, they just kind of disappeared and couldn't get into any sort of rhythm. Such a weird game. They were good in the first half, but that was mostly because Aberdeen played like they were the under-14s local school side it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen from Aberdeen very much men against boys that's exactly what it looked like Like it was awful not not a single player turned up at first half I'd love to have been in that dressing room at half time to see what the hell Derek McKenna said to them (laughs) I think he was probably windmilling them just giving them all hits but it's interesting that Rangers didn't see that out they should have been way more than two up for a start it's not like they had clear chances to score. They just no. weren't scoring. There, yeah. it was the way like Aberdeen had them. It's just loads of people in the box trying to get it away. But as soon as Gallagher scored, it changed something, and I can't quite work out what it is. It's like the the Rangers players rocked a bit. The mentality that would be the concerning thing for Rangers fans, I think. Particularly what Gerard said afterwards. He said that in the second half he felt they couldn't handle the pressure yes. of it. Yeah, which I think is quite concerning from Rangers' point of view. You would hope the title race is going to be tight I don't think Rangers are going to run away with it but in terms of this month they've got this huge game on Sunday then they've got the young boys game in the Europa League to try and get through that then three of their next four league games are away at Motherwell, Hibs and Celtic Yeah. so in terms of feeling if they're going to be feeling the, the pressure in the title race yeah it really starts now and if they couldn't handle that in a game early in December I think it's worrying for them I mean maybe maybe that's you know Gerard trying to stimulate his players um, so that they can prove to him that he's wrong or something like that but anyway you say Rangers might struggle with pressure Celtic are coping with pressure because they had a bit of a heart and mouth moment when Hamilton equalised in the 90th minute to make it 1-1 and then up steps Scott Brown um, almost 60 seconds later to, to bag a winner and I have to say I have to admit it I think when Scott Brown scores, his celebrations are growing on me. <laughs> I really enjoy them. I think they're hilarious. I think it's one of those games that we could look back on in May if Celtic have won the league because there was one point where Hamilton equalised in the 90th minute and Rangers had a free kick on the edge of the Aberdeen box and that could easily go in. Uh, Joel Lewis made a good save from Tavernier. It should be a penalty as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Rangers should have had a penalty right at the end yeah. as well where you could have seen Rangers going two points ahead. Instead, Celtic go straight up the park. It was interesting that on the day before the game, Lennon got asked a lot of questions in the press conference about the cup final, and he was very adamant about how this was disrespectful to Hamilton and his whole focus was on the Hamilton game and making sure the players were focused on the Hamilton game. And then after the game, came out and said, yes, yeah, you know, it's the psychology of football. You know, we were completely distracted. And there was a lot of hype and talk about the League Cup final and we took our eye off the ball. Um, so Celtic, I definitely Mind think, games. Definitely think Celtic got away with one there. But yeah, it could it could be a massive one coming into this. Well, it's weird if it's like a battle between say it's often compared like football and boxing, but if you had them like as two boxers, Rangers seem to me just just now off the back of the Aberdeen game, like a kind of cocky guy who gets a surprise jab and it, it just surprises and doesn't know what to do now, you know, and he's he's all kind of dizzy during the rest of the pick yourself back up again. Yeah, he yeah. didn't know where it's come from, it's it totally ruined the, the plan and they're now not sure what's going on. Whereas Celtic are quite canny, Joe Calzaghi ish. You know, they're not trying to launch at anyone, but they slowly get the job done very efficiently. And those are the ones that tend to win these kinds of things. So it'd be really interesting to see how Gerard gets his players prepared for Sunday off the back of this, because that is a probably quite a useful setback to have had ahead of this thing, rather than it happening in the first five, ten minutes of the, the cup final. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven and JJ Bull. I needed to see that from my team, but it also shuts a few people up who questioned that, you know, that, 
The reference point for our season so far has been the two old firm games. We get into the day's game, four points better off than we won the league last year, but nobody wants to talk about that. Next up for Aberdeen, a trip to Hibs on Saturday. It finished 1-1 at Petrodre back in October. Aberdeen ended that match with nine men, though. It was a great fight back on Wednesday, JJ. Your boy Andrew Considine with the equaliser against Rangers. He's the greatest man in the history of people. A total, you know, game of two halves, shall we say. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> the whole McInnes out clan are really tearing apart his, uh, his pre-match words. And I can see exactly why. He, he was what saying, did he say? Well, he was saying things like, uh, Rangers have better players, you know, man-to-man they're better, so we need to prove that we can compete, something like that. It sounded like he was laying down to let them be killed. But I suspect it's more to try and lower the expectation, the pressure, yeah. to try and get Rangers wound down. Because they were fired up last few times. That's why they were absolutely destroying Aberdeen. But it would be foolish to come out and go like, we've got to match them, and we've got to win and be... Like, that would be, be foolish, right? I mean, the, the, a lot of the thinking behind it is that Aberdeen should be competing with Rangers. I mean, in a 90-minute game, yes, they should be competing. But realistically, you know they're a much better side. Yeah. But maybe I'm wrong, but I suspect it is because you want to lower the the fire that Rangers come into these games with at the moment because if they're all fired up, there's no way you're going to beat them. They're too switched on. And uh, Rangers absolutely dominated Aberdeen. None of the players turned up for the Aberdeen team. I mean, it was absolutely dreadful. I've not seen such a poor performance in, oh God, I can't even remember but since like the Scofdale days. This is... This is six games unbeaten now for Aberdeen. When you, is... when, you, when you look back at previous months when they lost 4-0 at home to Celtic, were beaten 5-0 by Rangers at Ibrox earlier in the season as yeah. well. It, sh- it shows a lot of good character when there's still a lot of players out. And this has been a running theme for Aberdeen this season. Uh, but they're four points never better off than his... last season. Yeah. So like this is the thing, that uh, another point that people have been anti-McInnes is that they're, they're better off than they were at this point last season. And... Although the football's not always the prettiest, and although Scott McKenna seems to be terrified of the football these days, he's just launching it every single time he gets it. He needs to keep his get his composure back. It's one of the best parts of his game. Thing is, though, Morelos should have had a penalty in this game as well. Yeah, and Rangers should have been further ahead in the first half. Like Lewis Ferguson's trip on him, it was a foul, but beaten weirdly. Watching, I mean, this happens, isn't it? The only justification for beaten not giving it, but definitely was a penalty. Was just the way that Morelos was actually running away from goal, so therefore he fell outside the box, which yeah. maybe made it look in the split second, maybe look as if it was just outside the box rather than on the line and on the Do line. I think he managed the whole game really weirdly though, because yeah. I thought like he gave he kept giving Cosgrove like the benefit of the doubt, like that's four that's five now you're booked and then little things like treating Aberdeen as though they were almost children like they're allowed to get away with these things when some of the stuff Cosgrove was getting away with like when he's going for tackles late should have been a booking each, each time and then that is almost like he felt bad for Aberdeen and didn't give him the foul it was a what weird you, one what do you think about um, beating he's apologised for not giving that penalty well he must have known he was wrong at the time he maybe just knew it and then uh, not, I don't like the word bottled but it's, it, I just think he just didn't go with it the only, the only issue I would have with it is and this has happened as well last season there was a decision with Hibs where Rangers um, didn't get a decision at Hibs and the referee apologised to Gerrard is that it kind of creates a dangerous precedent so yeah. now, do, now do referees have to apologise for every mistake or should they not apologise for any mistakes um, it should be up to the individual but given the crazy world of Scottish football yeah. you know there'll be people saying oh he only apologises for the Rangers mistakes <laughs> yeah, like Colin would be a, be a busy boy um, uh, interesting in the stands <laughs> You yeah, had uh, Robbie Keane this, and yeah. uh, I think Jonathan Woodgate was there, wasn't as well, wasn't he? I uh, don't. I didn't see Woodgate. No, it was, I didn't see Woodgate. McGinn was with Keane because they, they're play, good pals. Uh, they they play played together at Celtic as well. I'm, I'm making up and filling in gaps in my head, having watched it the game live. So Middlesbrough's striking options aren't great. No, it so, could well so, be. Well, we're leading into the conversation of yeah. 
this January transfer window and could Cosgrove be getting some bids in from other clubs and Middlesbrough I could think, be I one of them. Will, what could be interesting though is I'm not, not entirely convinced that Woodgate and Keane is um, Woodgate's assistant that they'll still be in charge of Middlesbrough come the January transfer window well, yeah. given the way they're going um, and all the, the fixtures to go in December so Aberdeen I wouldn't say get off the hook but might you know that interest might not materialise but even if Middlesbrough don't come in for him I'm sure there will be championship clubs looking at him McInnes did say that players might be sold for the right offer. The rumoured um, valuation is four million. Do you think that's fair? Cosgrove, eighteen goals this season. The one thing that it seems low to me on is how much they were valuing McKenna at. Whereas if I was a buying club, I would be far more interested in Cosgrove than McKenna. Yeah. And forwards tend to go for more money than defenders. So I think they were they were valuing McKenna at one point at six million. Um which to me seemed high so if you were then going to take 4 million for Cosgrove um, I would be surprised any club in a, in a league sort of parallel to Scotland on the on the tier in Europe so I mean a lower league in, in Holland maybe the Portuguese second division <laughs> I don't know but especially teams in the, in the championship in England maybe even league one with any money and there's a few of them would be looking at Cosgrove because his numbers are superb mm-hmm. and he fits the profile he's young he's 23 and he still be coached uh, you get, you get a re- big resale value on him the form he's in makes him very attractive. His size, his frame, the goals he scores, all kinds of them. He did miss like a two-yard header against Rangers, but what he's done so far, he's a complete striker. They're very rare to find. Normally, strikers uh, excel on one particular bit, but he's great. And you've got Derby, Middlesbrough, Stoke, apparently all after him. Interesting to see what happens for it. Well, interesting to see what happens um, at Hibs because it looks like the honeymoon's over for John James Ross because we found out his name is not just oh, Jack Ross. Jackie it's, boy. It's John James Ross. He's lying to us. He's not who he says he is. But they threw away a two-goal lead um, to draw with Kilmarnock on Saturday. Then they threw away a one-goal lead to lose it against Ross County on Wednesday. So they're showing their fragility again. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing that happened that, under Heckenbottom. Yeah. They, they went ahead in so many games um, and then threw it away. I mean, the one thing that has been a sort of consistent since since Heckenbottom left, and one of the guys that probably got him the sack was Christian Dodge because <laughs> they spent, for Hibs, a fair amount of money on him and he, he didn't seem to pull up any trees when, when Heckenbottom was there, but has now scored in each of his last five games. Seven now, goals. Seven goals now in... Pretty much all of them yeah. are of a dubious quality, yeah. I would say. But yeah, at least he's uh, he's getting in the right the right positions, um, and I think yeah, it's, I've talked many times about Hibs this season that they, they lack a bit of steel, a bit of solidity, and that's showed up in a game like this where you go ahead, just listening to the radio commentary of it, they were saying they were still playing very openly one 0 up rather than trying to close the game down, playing the counter attack. Um, maybe that's just because the type of players they've got that suits them to play that kind of game. But I think that's the thing that that Ross will be looking to change over the past few. Next yeah, and you, you can coach it, but. You think at some point you need different personnel that just naturally can do it a lot better. Like there's no, there's only so much you can do, especially they the probably do want this winter break as soon as possible when that comes and and the January transfer window to bring in some new players. We should say it was a good win for Ross County, but they don't play this weekend, so we're not really going to talk about them that much. Sorry, Staggies fans. I'm Jose Mourinho. I know a thing or two about being special. Football pundits who actually understand management, special. Winning the little jackpot on Paddy Power Games, not special. Understood, Jose. Yes, someone wins an average £40,000 jackpot every single day. So if you win, don't think you're special. Daily Jackpots by Paddy Power Games. Jackpots must be awarded by 11pm and vary from day to day. Jackpot is shared with other operators available on selected games. T's and C's at paddypower.com. 18plusbegamblerware.org.
On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. It's been over a month now since Hart sacked Craig Levine. Caretaker Austin McVie says he expects Daniel Stendel's appointment to be finalised next week. There's a compensation dispute with Stendel's old club Barnsley. That's what seems to be holding things back. So it looks like McPhee will still be in charge for Saturday's trip to Motherwell. Under him, though, it hasn't been great. Only a late Stephen McLean equaliser at home to Livingston avoided a third defeat in a row for Hearts. Are Hearts in a relegation battle? Is this where they're going to be for... Yeah, they'll be I out, wouldn't they? Do you think yeah. they can yeah. get themselves up and I, 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 even I, I, challenge I, for top six? Well, this is the, I would have said a couple of weeks ago, like when Levine was sacked, I would have said you know, they definitely won't be in a relegation battle and they should still manage to at least challenge but probably get into the top six. Now I think their target for the season is just not to be in the bottom two. I mean, they should still avoid that. And they're only a point off the bottom, but there's a lot of lot of teams of concertina around those positions. And if they started to play anything like their potential once they get a new manager in, then they should pull away from that. But it's just been a shambles. The whole yeah, thing. It's, like, it's a dire state of form to be in. To be where they are in December. And you're a Hearts fan, you're thinking, the season's over. Like, How can you get geared up for something like third this? Third biggest budget in the league. Only two wins all season. Yeah, like Soccernomics usually used to, I was I was talking to someone about this today when we were talking about um, Everton, actually, but how like Soccernomics did this thing about how almost exactly you get what you pay for in terms of wages. Like The, the wage league will correspond more or less to the league table with only one or two differences. And sort of Everton were used as the exception that proves the rule because they, they pay very... Good wages and they're way down the bottom. Hearts are the third highest in Scotland and they're a point off the bottom. I mean, it's an incredible level of underachievement. I think it makes sense that they've taken their time over the appointment. There's another thing with Stendhal is that um, I think he wants to bring in his own backroom team as well, which is extra expense because they've got coaches at Hearts but then lose their jobs because yeah. they can't have the budget for it. It's another big thing. But you say you say it's, <laughs> it's a good thing that they're taking their time. I get what you're saying, but does it not also put another bit of added pressure on the board to get instant success because if it fails again then it's like well you're not appointing the right people Maybe, so you're doing thing. you're not doing your job correctly it's a huge thing you're doing though like if you imagine it's your um like your work you go into and your manager gets pied and then they're like oh, here's a new manager we just had an application in yesterday and we decided to go with him like you think no you've got a due diligence you've got to check it out you've got to make sure that's right. why most clubs before they sack the manager, have an idea exactly. of like who they're going to replace them with. There's is so weird because they're getting rid of the they've ripped out the entire strategy. Just going like, well, this is this is gubbed at start but again. No, but that, that's another problem is that they Correct haven't because no, no, because Levine's still there. Like <laughs> they've had the most bizarre situation where Levine was director of football and then director of football and manager and on the board. They've now sacked him as manager, but he's still at the club in some capacity until the end of the season. They have one of his former assistants taking over in the meantime. And I know they're they're targeting Stendhal, but you know it's been over a month, and they're just going backwards. But this is this is why you know I feel like Hearts and their fans are going towards almost a kind of toxic relationship. It's not there; it's not toxic yet. But I'm just thinking this time that they're taking over the Stendhal appointment, and if it goes wrong again, you know this is someone and Budge who saved this club alongside Craig Levine um, a while yeah, well, ago now. Yeah. But but. I you know, this the, is more the fans that saved the club. She, yeah. she was the figurehead, but it was the fans that put in most of the money. Sure, yeah. Um, so they should be expecting a lot more from the people who are running their club. 
Um, but anyway, Motherwell, they've returned to winning ways, emphatically, in fact. Um, 4-0 against St. Johnson on Saturday, then 3-0 at St. Mirren on Wednesday. Probably teams they should be beating, to be fair, but a uh, special mention for James Scott, who got a brace in Paisley, 19 years old. Do we think big things from him? He's, I think he's a really tidy player. His first goal in this game is superb. Little step overs and then tucked it in the corner, like, like Riyad Mahrez or something like that. If you're scoring goals and you're, what, is he 19, right? Yeah. In the first team, I know that uh, uh, Stephen Robinson has talked about him on, I think, a radio programme I listened to, and he said he, was, he talked really highly yeah. of him. Clearly a decent player. So, I mean, it's the, the cliche, if you can keep this up, then yeah. he's going to be just great. Six but, goals for this season. You might remember, if you haven't heard of him before, you might remember him from last season when he scored that goal against Celtic, when Celtic kicked the ball in for a throw-in uh, from Motherwell, and they just threw it, and they just went up and scored. That was quite funny, though. Uh, but... Um, David Turnbull could make a return in January. Yeah, that'd be good. Take a while to get back to the way he's playing, though. Those injuries take ages to get over. Yeah, you wouldn't want to rush him in. I think that's what Robinson said. Manager said that he's not going to rush him in. But if he can replicate the form that he was doing last season... But I also think, when you're saying how... Celtic could be back in for him. (laughs) But Motherwell are uh, beat teams in in St. John's and Smyrna who... It should be beaten, but I think like Motherwell is the complete opposite of Hearts in terms of a team that constantly overachieve in, mm-hmm. in terms of the budget. And when you take into account the fact that it was such a body blow for them to lose both the player in Turnbull and have that transfer fall through, so the, the transfer fee they thought they were going to get, which was a record for Motherwell, to then not have that to rebuild the squad yeah. and still be in the position that they are is really staggering achievement and some of the rumours about Robinson moving on have died down because Hibs have filled their position in Hearts look as if they're going for Stendhal um, but yeah that can only be to, to Mullow's benefit because he's doing a phenomenal job Time now for the latest odds with our man Lee Price at Paddy Power Lee, it's the game everyone's talking about. Celtic v Rangers in the League Cup final. Will Steven Gerrard win his first trophy as a manager? Huge, huge, huge. And that midweek collapse against Aberdeen has changed everything for Rangers, albeit very slightly. Celtic are our favourites as they probably would have been at 11-10. to 10. Rangers are 21-10, to 10, a touch longer than they might have been had they held on for a convincing win against the Dons. Extra time is 23-10, to 10. Either teams win on penalties, juicy that, 5-1. to one. And this big stage surely made for Alfredo Morelos before a potential January departure. Whisper that bit. It's 6-4 to four El Buffalo scores any time during this fixture. There are some admiring glances at Aberdeen's Sam Cosgrove. Will he still be at Pataudry come February? Well, he's no Lawrence Shankland, is he? But then again, who is? Nine goals for Cosgrove so far this season, prompting rumours of a Lazio switch. They are not the favourites to sign him, according to us, though. In fact, we have an odds-on favourite, Stoke City, 4-6, to six, to make Cosgrove a January signing as Michael O'Neill rebuilds that club. Derby second favourites are 5-2, to two, Middlesbrough 7-2, and then some Scottish teams, Celtic 9-2, Rangers 8-1, to one, that Lazio thing, 10-1. to one. I don't want to pile pressure on St Mirren, but I'm curious. What are the odds of them going the whole season without picking up a point away from home? <laughs> well, that's cruel. Um, it's 20 to 1 that St Mirren lose every away game for the rest of this season. But we think actually that run might end 
this weekend. We make them the 7-5, very, very slight favourites against Hamilton. It's 11-5 they get the draw there. Or you can do a double chance on my favourite bets, which is 4-11 odds on that they don't lose the game. You're back in two results there. The St Mirren win and the St Mirren draw. In the Championship, life is pretty sweet for Dundee United. Top of the table and they can't stop winning. To cap it off, neighbours Dundee are struggling right now. So we're joined now by Dundee fan and legendary journalist Patrick Barkley. Patrick, how are you feeling about life at the club right now? It's not uh, so great, right? Well, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good because of your introduction. But, <laughs> uh, it, it is a rare moment of uh, a frisson of pleasure because um, we've really, um, after a period before the derby, the most recent derby at Dens Park against Dundee United, then, uh, you, you know, we'd been having sort of mildly encouraging form. Uh, and then, you know, the derby defeat has obviously knocked us back to square one. We're, we can't create chances. I mean, in most games, we keep a clean sheet, but at the wrong end, you know, we, we don't have a shot on target. Uh, it's, it's just gone back to that against, we had one shot on target in the derby. We had one against Dunfermline away. And, uh, I mean, even worse in a way, we had only two, including a goal, against uh, Queen of the South at home yeah. on Saturday. So, uh, really pretty grim. And, and, you know, all talk of the title. Uh, I mean, there are some super optimists who um, who still talk about the chance of the title. But for me, you know, we've got more chance of signing Lionel Messi in the winter window. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's hard, though, isn't it? Because when you suffer, you know, the depression of relegation, it's hard to to galvanise a squad yeah. together to to get yourself into a positive frame of mind again. But did you expect better for this season? Uh, an yeah, immediate impact, at least. Yes, I did. I, th- I felt that our off the field team. I mean, okay, we had it. We had a. A, a poor team uh, or a, a weirdly, a bizarrely bad team under Neil McCann, um, who you know who tried to play football and 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 you know, but in a and not in a brilliant way. Jim McIntyre came and and you know another team of people were brought in, but they were a lot they were worse because there just didn't seem to be any sense or rhyme or reason. Uh, however, when James McPake collected this team, both on and off the field, um, there was genuine enthusiasm i think and genuine support mcpake although he's young is enormously popular at dundee uh, and rightly so and uh, he gathered together eventually an off the field team including not only you know dave mckay a really popular man at the club jimmy nickel tremendously experienced manager and as he was a player um gordon strachan as director of football, and that just seemed to complete a dream team off the field. You know, what a boot room, you know. And uh, the players were good, and, and, and the cherry on the cake was, was Graham Dorans. And you mm. thought, well, a really quality technician, Scotland international midfield player with something to prove, up against championship teams, we're just going to slice through them. But uh, it's just not worked. And uh, obviously... People are looking at a young manager and saying, you know, does he know how to organise this? Um, the answer to that should be, well, if he, there are any gaps in his knowledge, there's plenty of people around to to fill them in. What do you think? It, what do you think they need to get back up, and how long do you think it, it realistically is going to take? I don't really fancy us to get through the playoffs, let alone 
uh, win the title. I, I don't think we have any chance at the title. And I think any team that draws us in the playoffs um, on current uh, form will be just absolutely doing cartwheels. <laughs> so I don't think... Is there budget re- in, the, in the window? No, I wouldn't have thought so now because, uh, I mean, we have changed, you know, changing teams is, is expensive because, um, you know, you've got to pay, basically you've got to, you've got to bribe people to go <laughs> or you've got to pay them to go. You've got to pay them to go. And that's what that's what's expensive. But um, uh, no, I would not. Uh, I, I don't think there is a budget. In uh, there might be a, a small budget, you know, to give Dorans a little bit more money. He's on a very an amazing wage, you know, amazingly low wage for a man of his pedigree. And I think they'll try and do something for him in the in the winter to make sure that he stays for the rest of the season. Although his form's not good at the moment, but I think it will be marginal like that. I, I don't think we're going to see more change. And there's a general feeling that we've had enough change. We've got to let this lot settle. Is there much um, jealousy or anger by other clubs in the championship at the wage bill yeah. that Dundee United are running? Because Dundee United, yeah, because well, you see, they're they're running probably their their wage bills bigger than several teams in the Premier League, but that's because they want to get there. They're going to get there, so the gamble's going to pay off. And and I don't. They also have a I big American see. financier behind them yeah. as well. Yeah, that's true. But they're they're taking a gamble. If the financial, I, I'm not okay with the financial fair play regulations in Scotland, but if they allow it, why not? Uh, you know, good luck to them. You can't blame a club for even Dundee United. You can't. I can't blame a club for for pushing the bar high. You know, any more than you could, uh, the, any more than I think it was bad for English football that Man City uh, took advantage of obviously infinitely greater riches to push the bar higher in England. Uh, you know, competition's good, and and I must say. Looking at Dundee United on the times that I've seen them, I really like them as a team and as a club. I mean, I don't know. Okay, I don't like them as a club, but I, I like. I <laughs> but really, would you like them back I in the re- Premiership for the city? Listen, you're not to tell anybody this. And any, <laughs> it's a good thing we're not recording this, this then, yeah. <laughs> all, <laughs> all the people listening to this, I've got to immediately forget I've said it. But I wish we were as well organised as them. I really, really do. I wish we had, um, you know, they've got great fans, they're bouncing. I mean, when the, we're at the derbies, you know, the whole place is rocking, but it's not us that's making it rock. You know, mm. our Dundee fans are gloomy. And and uh, it's just uh, the way, the place that they're in at the moment, to be quite honest, and again, this is a secret between you, <laughs> us, and the millions listening, and <laughs> me. But... I think they'll be an asset. I think they'll be a real asset to the Premier League next season. Back to the Premiership as Hamilton hosts St Mirren on Saturday. The Buddies bottom of the table once again. They've lost all eight of their away games in the Premiership this season. It's the worst away record in Scotland. They're going down if that trend continues, no matter how good their home form is. Guys, what can we say about St Mirren? It's not great, particularly. Goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> but, but but the thing is, like, particularly the past um, few games haven't been great, but they're still only a point off safety. And although we keep thinking Hearts might pull away, that's just a point behind Hamilton and St Johnston as well. So if they they win this game, then they could easily be out of not just not just off the bottom, but out of the the playoff place as well. Come the end of the weekend, they just don't have a striker. That's it. That's their issue. And if we look at 
you know, the likes of Hamilton, who've taken Rangers and Celtic to the limit in the last few weeks, you know, we know that Hamilton can actually play some decent stuff now under Brian Rice. Uh, yes, but again, they're they're sort of a limited team. I think Hamilton probably have maybe better individual players that can change a game, and I think Rice is more. He seems to have them doing more going forward as well. Timmerman, like we've been saying the same thing all all the time. They just don't have great players. The team is well run, but they can't. If you don't score, you don't, or you don't offer a huge attacking threat, then teams don't have to defend so deep against you, which means they can attack you. So you are weaker at the back as well. So yeah. if you're weaker at front, you're weaker at the back by default. Who do you think's done a better job so far since they've came into the clubs? So would you rather have Rice or Goodwin? I mean, or would you rather have a good win? I could. I would go slightly rice, purely <laughs> based off the uh, style of football. I think results. There's not a huge amount in it, but and he is restricted by the players he's got. But the the good results that Mern have got is very much based on defending deep, counter attacking, not holding the ball an awful lot. Where whereas I feel as if um, Brian Rice has changed Hamilton quite a bit into to a more offensive team. That's exactly. What I would have said, but I would have said it far worse than that. <laughs> Obviously, this is Brian Rice returning to his old club. He was assistant at St Mirren, wasn't he? That was the bit I forgot to say last week. We were talking about this um, sitcom where he was uh, Brian Rice was living with Yogi. Did uh, you read yeah, that story? Yeah, I remember you were saying this. Last and there's week, a bit yeah. I forgot to mention. I find it so funny. Is a uh, what he was saying that um, John Hughes would cycle to to, to Cali like, training every morning. He would leave ten minutes earlier than him. Uh, he said. I'll leave 10 minutes early so that way if I fall off my bike you can pick me up because he would drive which is it makes sense safety first right but he said um, and without fail every single day as I drove past him he'd give me the finger on the way there and back <laughs> <laughs> like the, the banter scale alright lads that's that level of banter on a scale of zero to alright lads yeah, yeah, yeah it's up there well the last time these guys met was on my birthday the 21st of September and it was nil nil um, I don't think that'll happen this time I think there'll be a few goals kicking around in Hamilton St Mirren? Yeah, Hamilton will score. Hamilton will score, mark my words. Yeah. Have that, Lee Price. And finally, Livingston versus Kilmarnock at the Tony Macaroni. Eight games with it, a win for Livingston. It's the worst current run in the Premiership. They've drawn the last two. This is a must win. Every game is a must win, Andrew. But this is another must win. This is the most must-winningest. <laughs> uh, Olivia, if, can, yeah. I, can I uh, hasten to disagree? Oh, uh, so they because, shouldn't win. Well, no, but it's really a must-win. Like it's no. early December. They're not in the bottom two. They've even got a three-point cushion over the bottom two, and they've drawn four. Although they haven't won in eight, they've drawn four of them. So but they're you fine. Can, you can understand the fact that if they haven't won in eight, they have to break that mold. Yeah, that's every team has to win, though, don't they? That's the thing. Like Kilmarnock need to win because otherwise their season's going to start to suck because they're going to pull away too far from other teams. But equally, maybe Motherwell will lose two must-win games, <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly Killy will be straight back in it. Like Killy are, you'd say they're probably they're a work in progress or just in transition. So they're Blown not hot the, and cold. They're not the final thing yet. They'll be they'll be there. Maybe there'll be differences in January if they bring in a couple of players or shift things around. Livy, uh, I think everyone's impressed by what Gary Holt's done with them, uh, and they are higher than you maybe think. But that's starting to level out, as we suspected. Yeah. And yeah. The, I mean, the players aren't individually amazing. They lost really key players during the summer, so it was always going to be like this. But 
again, like I think Ross County and Livingston aren't too far away, kind of quality-wise from each other. I think both are lucky that St Johnston and St Mirren, well, that Hamilton and St Johnston are already in the division, and that St Mirren and just are probably going to go down. Like it's Livy should be all right, and I totally agree with Kieran. It's not disastrous yet. I think I actually think Kilmarnock would be the ones that would be more disappointed to lose it. Purely because there's so little to play for with the season if they don't if they can't stay in amongst that top four. Yeah, when you look at Kamara, they're in fifth, but they're five points off Motherwell in, in fourth and four ahead of Hibs in sixth. So they're already kind of in a league of their own. Yeah. yeah. The league's starting to really kinda of play out. You can see Aberdeen are pretty much the third best on the maybe. third, yeah. Rangers will push Celtic, but Celtic I think will just edge them out. I still think they'll edge them out. And the rest of them, who knows? So you, nobody's going to stump and see who's going to be the better team against Livingston Kilmarnock then. It's just going to be a draw. Could be the better team. I think <laughs> Kilmarnock are the better team. Nil-nil, that spaghetti had. Well, there you go. That's all we've got time for. Thank you to JJ. Thanks, Kieran. And thanks to Little Kicks for our cool theme tune. Thank you to producer Charlie as well. Um, we'll be back next Friday. Can Rangers get the point they need to reach the knockout stage of the Europa League? Join us to find out. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Totally Football Show.